0: Welcome to the How Did That Work Out podcast, where we share, explore, as well as inspect internally and externally a variety of our life situations, as well as others, all for the purpose of answering, how did that work out? I'm your host, Mike J, And I'm your host, Graham. Let's get into this. All right, man. How was your week my week was better it definitely better this week than than last week it was a it was a rough week and so i uh I appreciate you you know allowing us a a week for me to kind of recover it, you know it had to do with my my dad's passing and his funeral arrangements and things and so it was it, last week was was a bit rough you know this week was a night and day difference so Thank you for being flexible, and you know, for you that for you that's listening, you know, we have a, a production schedule that kind of allows us to be able to take a week, but yet not miss a week in you know releasing an episode. So there's no there's no gap there. But with Graham and I, we we skipped a week last week at my request, you know, because I was just having a rough time of it. So again, thank you. Uh, this week was. I got to say, I mean, once again stress-free. Uh, I've said it before, I feel like I've won the lottery. Um got some great news at work in terms of um, you know, shall we say, you know, financial benefits and compensation that we're back to or we're actually not back to normal levels. We're actually back to levels that are higher than before normal. Okay? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I it's weird. I I um
1: I don't know the sp- specifics of your industry or company, but there there seems to be a lot of that going around. I don't know if everyone kind of sat on their hands for twenty twenty and they're like, all right, you know we we were squirreling away cash or just major pivots in priorities, but um yeah, there seems to be a lot of um generosity isn't the word, but kind of like opening up the purse
0: yes, well, there was a lot of unknown. In 2020, right? How long would it last? How long? Uh, how long would we, you know, and how and how bad would it get? Uh, not just in terms of economic growth for an organization, but in terms of the the human political <coughs> impact. Cool. Yeah. And, well, okay, we can say that. Uh, you know, if we if we go down that road, though, 2021 is going to be a hell of a lot worse than 2020. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah and the numbers speak for themselves but but anyway, I digress um so yeah, there was a lot of unknown a lot, and so the organization that I work for they they're a financial services company, so they see those trends and they they sock away for that so that they don't have to lay off anybody at least they try, right? They have a, a war chest that they, you know, put into so that if they have to dip into it, they can. And so they'll let go of contractors and consultants before mm-hmm. they let go of their own people. Mm-hmm. Their own people would be like the absolute last resort. So thankfully, nobody got laid off. They even kept their uh even though it was remote, they kept their summer intern if they made offers to uh, new hires, they kept that, they kept their offers. They, uh, I think, extended their start dates by a couple of months, but also the internship programs, they kept those going. So overall, just a really a people-focused company. Now, I don't want to sound t- tone deaf and not acknowledge that there's a lot of people, and and potentially those of you listening, are have been impacted by this financially. So you know, I, I, I'm i over here saying that's good news, and I'm sharing that good news. I'm not saying that, I, you know, because I did, I'm so glad somebody else didn't. That's not even the case. Hmm. I, I I feel like I have to over-quantify that a little bit sometimes because we're kind of in a sensitive society at this point. But I do acknowledge that there are people that aren't as lucky, and oh, yeah. Yeah. that is hard, well, and I I've mean, been there. W-
1: sure, and we could step to the gradients, like... um I've heard some horror stories, I guess at best, they're like secondhand, but, uh, you know, myself, I I work for myself and I've seen such, so my, my direct contacts are company heads and, you know, department directors and CEOs and, um, it's, it was such a menagerie You know, uh, products or uh, projects rather disappeared. New projects came in hot. Like they were priority one. And then, um, you know, communication was irregular. Uh, The cadence was, you know, uh, just that, like unpredictable. So the flow was disrupted. Money was, was coming in, but it was just in this kind of like, well... You know, summer is typically a downtime for a lot of companies. People go on their vacations and stuff. Yes. <laughs> that was that was a surreal summer work work experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it it was um, very different for me. And uh, this year, uh, a lot of my clients pivoted and, and came on strong, and that's and that's good. I've I've heard some some anecdotes uh, in like the service industry, specifically restaurant, you know, you have, uh, uh restaurant owners uh, collecting that PPP and then firing people left and right. right. And, yeah. you know, um, being kind of, there's one specifically, I won't call anybody out, but it's made a lot of, um, it's made a lot of press that, you know, their employees kind of, uh, mobilized and organized and the restaurant owner just dug their heels in deeper. They didn't acknowledge, you know, their wrongdoings or even, you know, concede was the last thing on their mind and they just like, just laid in harder. <laughs> like,
0: God. Yeah, and they look at you like, what's with the stink eye people? I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. and yet, yet there's the other side of that spectrum too, which is restaurants pleading with their government. Their state government, their you know city government, to open up so they can go back to paying their employees, and perhaps those are the ones that use the PPP for its intended purpose, and then they they just ran out, and they and so now the only option is to open, or as a business die, and that brings about a kind of a phrase that, and I don't even remember where I don't know if it was my dad or if it was in the military, which means it could have been in the military and spoken to me through my dad, but Mm -hmm. it's just a simple phrase, adapt or die. Yeah, yeah. And I think 2020, even going into 2021, like you were talking about the restaurant industry, it, it got hit very, very hard, but there are some restaurants that never would have considered delivering until this pandemic. So if anything, right now, it was through adaptation or die. But when things go back to normal, do you think they're really going to stop the delivery service? So now they've just created a new revenue stream
2: mm-hmm,
0: right. that they otherwise would not have explored. When we look at these lockdowns, you know, I, I lost somebody to COVID. Okay, so you know, obviously it's a bad thing. But when you look at these lockdowns, it also forced not you know businesses and individuals and families to redefine things to Mm -hmm. redefine lots of things number one i don't think that there's one person that could say that they didn't notice some kind of a slower pace during this whole let's work from home everybody Mm -hmm. you know some have done that for years some have worked from home for years others are you know office you know office people through and through and they can't get along without being in an office and so Mm -hmm. it was very hard for them but overall families slowed down because you were spending lots of time together in a home of some kind whether it's an apartment a house whatever but families were spending more time together and because you didn't have a commute you actually had the opportunity to have more quality time together while also though, because you weren't taking vacations out, you probably weren't taking your full vacation. You might be taking a long weekend here or there just to kind of catch your breath. But for businesses, while they had to redefine work from home or work what work what office work is into a, like a work from home scenario,
2: mm-hmm. there
0: were significant investments that many of those businesses had to make. Our ours being one of them. We went from like, you know, ten thousand uh, VPN users on any given day to over 50,000. Right. And that's a lot of scale. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there is a big investment in the infrastructure to be able to handle that. So the businesses have to redefine, but they also redefine their products. Like you said, some products went away, but new ones came up or ones that already existed became red hot to the top because the business saw, well, even though this wasn't like our you know, core functionality or our our core product, it sure is now because we're going to, we're going to get rid of that, that we can't sustain, support, or produce. And we're going to replace it with one that we can and one that customers actually want in the Mm -hmm. new dynamic. So Mm -hmm. uh, change is hard. And, and yes, a pandemic, believe me, is horrible. But if like, in the whole, how did that work out? Fashion though, if you were to peel this onion, you'd see, you know, and and yeah, you can, you'd see a lot of good came from this, and yeah, you can point out that, you know, murder, you know, domestic abuse was on the rise, drug abuse is on the rise, depression's on the rise. You, you, yeah, okay, yes, but I would say that families that needed that that time because they were always working and didn't even couldn't even spend 10 minutes with each other because they were so busy those that wanted it got brought together businesses now understand the importance of a work life balance because that company doesn't want to be responsible for someone taking their own life or beating on their spouse because the company is demanding so much of someone now that you're at home you can work for me 24 hours a day so anyway, that's my rant. Uh I'll I'll <laughs> I'll give you some airtime here to to kind of, you know, express your thoughts, but again, overall I just think that if you if you do look, there was a lot of good from a business perspective. Americans are workaholics by nature. I think that slowed that down. Businesses can be very demanding by nature. I think that kind of curtailed a little bit. So again, I see, I see the good that came from this.
1: Yeah. And, and, um, I don't know if anyone's arguing with you. There's, there's, there's been a lot of, um, uh, positive pivots and, and it really like, if you take the word, all those examples are really almost literally adapt or die, right. As on the personal level, on the company level. Um, yeah, so let me see. I'm trying to backstep and <laughs> remember how we got there, but um, gotta. I have a few big things on my mind. One of them's a more of a distraction, um, and I'm trying to fix the rear derailleur on my bike. <laughs> <because> <laughs>
0: wild topic change yeah yeah the
1: king of transitions and segues um i busted it on my last ride and you know it's four to six weeks to get it into the shop and it's pretty Mm. integral piece of equipment on a
0: bike (laughs) it's that long of a waiting list four to six weeks
1: yeah um so I was like, "Well, oh, I'll take matters into my own hand. Cause I've been very gradually doing more and more maintenance as those weights get longer, you know, like, yeah, I can replace a chain. I can learn how to do that and other little stuff. So this is, this is a big one for me. It's, it's very simple, but you have to understand the reason everything, every component exists, right? So it's sitting on there in a half-assed
0: state, <laughs> <laughs> kind of dangling and kinda of like
1: well, help me. It's it if by all appearances it's it's on their right, but the chain looks like it's about six inches too long, and I gotta figure out <laughs> why that is. So anyway, that's um a new challenge I gave myself, and it's one of those things where you're like, it would be just better if somebody else did it. I mean, I'm not beyond character building exercises. Sure. But i can do this i think i can do this and i am you know i'm highly motivated to do it because the sooner i can get it on there the sooner i can ride and that that 85 mile ride that i uh, opted in for that's tomorrow is it really yeah and i haven't ridden all week so i need to do some low training today to at least like clear out the lungs and stuff do you still have your backup bike that one i busted the derailleur on months ago So the derailleur has been a, a topic in my mind for months. And I was just like, well, whatever, I'll just figure it out. But then it came a priority. And now I'm, I'll, I've am i got a second derailleur on this way for the backup bike. <laughs> so I'll be replacing two. So two bikes and two derailleur failure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, depending on the quality, it's you can spend as little as 25 bucks or
0: hundreds. So... Uh, Yeah. There's always that top end, isn't there? You could spend a thousand bucks on one if you really wanted to. Yeah, exactly.
1: So that's, that's that. Um, the, uh, you know, we touched and I think it was in our last show. Um, we were talking about little victories, like acknowledging and celebrating and yeah. And that, um, that kind of brought to the front of my mind, the little rewards that we, uh, whether we realize it or not we give ourselves in life um or throughout the day you know there's i heard this quote from some actor about like you have to there has to be a reward like why am i doing this right it's not just mm-hmm. to push the thing across the the desert it's like there has to be a reason um and i mean they can be as small as like okay cool when i figure or when i finish this little you know, one hour sprint of work up. I'm going to go make some tea or, you know, it's like, okay, at the end of today, um, we're going to order pizza, you know, and then, and that's going to be the reward for the day or have a glass of wine or, you know, like whatever it is. And I find myself the older I get either, I don't know, realizing that I do that more or doing it more or both, but it's just kind of hit this like crescendo of task, reward, task,
2: reward, <laughs> you know,
0: I mean, in that way, I mean, aren't we all like that? I mean, animals seem to, you know, that's how you train animals, right? You teach them, you know, a task, and then you give them a reward. Uh, I, I don't think we're above that. I've got a great story though on mm-hmm. this. Is Let's have it. when I got my first job, my first my first paying job <laughs> that is, I worked at a pet shop, and I think I'd mentioned that in episode zero. I worked at a pet shop and my boss, who was the owner, one of the three owners, would always uh, pull a dollar bill out of the register mm. and give it to me and say, hey, go next door and get me a, a large Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And next door, well, it was In-N-Out, In-N-Out Burger. Mm. So I would go get a Pepsi and I always had that smell of the hamburgers and the fries and I was like, and so I would bring him his Pepsi. Well, then I decided that. Every day that I get paid and I would close it i was going to high i was in high school at the time, so mm-hmm. every every I would always like end up closing helping close the shop, so we'd get out of there you know nine o'clock and then if there was a, a shipment of fish that came in, we'd be there to like eleven eleven thirty
2: mm-hmm.
0: and in and out was always open late so I decided at some point that when I got my paycheck, I would go next door to in and out and I would get me a double double an order of fries and a strawberry shake Mm -hmm. and I would eat that there and then I would go home and it would be late so you know parents would be asleep and and all that and I would and then I made it a tradition every payday well when I left that place and you know went on with my life I'd stopped doing it
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and yet recently I resurrected it. And now it's something that me and my wife participate in, in the sense that when it's payday, we get ourselves a payday treat, which means we'll order delivery from a restaurant of our choosing that, that gives us that, that reward. Like you worked, you know, you got the, you got the paycheck, you worked, you you worked hard for your money, reward yourself. And that, and so I say, what do you want for payday treat? She goes, oh, it's payday treat? <laughs> she gets all excited because <laughs> it's payday treat. Yeah. And uh, and so we've resurrected it. And now it's a fun little thing. And you know what, Graham? It brings more meaning to payday rather than just, oh, yeah, I got paid. Right. I got bills to pay. Right. You, you attach something positive to it. Yeah, you got bills to pay, but you still get a payday treat.
1: Yeah, and it creates... Um... In in that scenario, it creates like ritual, and sometimes a ritual in itself is the reward is is having control to do something you enjoy or something that's very um, I don't know enlightening, right? Whether it's a, a a food treat or or listening to an old record, like just kind of yeah rituals are i think sacred and cherished right unless yeah. you throwing people in volcanoes somebody somebody enjoyed doing that not everybody somebody somewhere <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah like um i think it's real important for us to like in your 20s man good luck trying to recognize whether you're working hard or rewarding yourself you know you're just you're kind of all over the place um but yeah I've, I've noticed it so much more as i've gotten older like and and it started to almost become the way I structure my day. Like, oh, you know what? I'm going to wake up super early today. I'm going to bang out half a day's work. I'm going to go for a long bike ride. Like, that's my reward. And I don't get to do that if I didn't, you know, if I didn't successfully conquer that first chunk, you know?
0: You're absolutely right. And I want to backtrack to the the Pet Shop story here real quick. Sure, yeah, yeah. There was another why. There were a couple of whys as to why I wanted to have a job after school in fact i gave I quit football, which I loved playing, mm-hmm. although wasn't very good at it, mm-hmm. so it didn't love me back. I decided you know I didn't like being at home. I was a teenager yeah and I was living with my dad and a stepmom who just couldn't stand me and my brother couldn't stand i mean resented us mm. from head to toe every day, every minute of every day mm-hmm. So, I looked for reasons to not be home right <laughs> and the other cool thing was that if I had a job, I wouldn't have to clean up the kitchen after dinner mm-hmm. if i if i if i wasn't home i hadn't I couldn't clean up because I didn't partake in anything right. that created the mess, yeah, so my brother would have to do it all <laughs> nice plus, I had an aunt who bought a new car, and she had it was an old At the time, it wasn't that old, I guess, but it was older. It was a 1972 Datsun 510 station wagon in pea soup green, like a puke green. Yeah, classic. So so I used to call it the lean green, like Mm -hmm. short for the lean green fighting machine. Mm -hmm. She offered to sell it to me, and I'm like, for how much? And she says, "Hmm, give me 200 bucks. We'll call it even. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So I would go to work at the pet shop, take all the hours I could work almost every night after school. I get maybe one night off during the week. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And that was like heaven. It was like, oh, I can go straight home, finish my homework and I can go to bed at a decent hour. But then I'd also work Saturdays and usually all day Saturday. So in any case, what I'm, what I'm bringing here to the forefront is that if I didn't give myself those payday treats, I could have got the car a lot sooner.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Makes sense. But I still gave myself those payday treats and I still got the car.
1: Yeah. It makes me think, here's where my mind goes when you say something like that, is it makes me uh, bring up the question of at what expense, right? You're like, yes, "Yes, I'm working hard and I'm giving it my all. I get one night off a week because I've got X, Y, Z goal. One goal, I'm trying to get away from something. The other goal, I'm trying to move towards things, whether (laughs) material or whatever. But at what expense? I need to keep myself sane along the way. And right? I feel like we're we're both kind of saying the same thing. Like you've got to keep... I don't want to sound woo-woo, but there's, you're finding balance. You're finding a way you can exist in all of this that um, doesn't take parts away from you uh, on, along the journey.
0: <laughs> it's a marathon, not a sprint. There it is. With most things. you yeah. know, with yeah. all, I mean, with anything, I would say, I would even go on a limb and say with anything meaningful, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Because in the 90s, when I got out of the Army the first time, I was newly married, I was twenty one years old and got hitched, and I would otherwise say it was a big mistake, but I got my three three boys out of that, so I'm luckiest man on earth, even though I had to endure some pain to get there uh, but throughout the nineties, I was busting my ass all day every day. I was working eighteen hour days and having a commute having to go into the office at like 1 in the morning sometimes, all because coming out of the Army without a degree, I was kind of at a deficit in terms of earning potential. Even though I had four years of hands-on experience with another 22 weeks of training before I even put my first hand on an actual piece of production communications gear. So I get out and I have to reprove myself again. And with no degree, that becomes a little tougher. But not only that, I also wanted to, by the time I was 30, I wanted to be either a director or a VP of an established company. And the reason for that was so that I could make enough money and have enough flexibility with my schedule to be able to spend more time with the wife and kids. And my then wife wanted to be a stay-at-home mom well at entry-level salary that wasn't going to happen sure and it was southern california to boot so it it just it reminds
1: me of that dave Chappelle skit where he's working at um whack arnold's whack arnold's (laughs) They're glamorizing. I'm like, look at young Calvin. Way to go, young blood. You, you know, you're holding down the job. But the reality <laughs> is he comes home and gets yelled at. She's like, these burgers and fries ain't going to pay the rent. <laughs>
0: Exactly. I would volunteer for the overtime, not, and even though I was on salary, I'd still volunteer, so I wouldn't have to go home and hear the bitching about how I'm never home enough, but yet I'm also not making enough for her to be a stay-at-home mom. And when's that going to happen? So nothing, you know, nothing was good enough, and that's that's a lot of the that's a lot of the the onus uh, on why I believe this podcast ought to exist because there are there have to be other guys out there that no matter which way you turn you're still you're still screwed up right you're not making enough money but yet you're not home enough yeah it can feel it's like always that. so yeah. serious but yet yet you never have a sense of humor mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and uh
1: you know or you joke too much It it does feel like sometimes in life your plate is fuller than others and and like not knowing how to manage that and you mitigate the punishment. is tricky.
0: Absolutely. But the goal, the goal never swayed, which was to work your way up. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I was raised and had seen for myself that the only way to succeed is to work for it, mm-hmm. not claim you're some sort of underserved, underprivileged group. But you dig in and yeah, my dad even taught me this. Yeah. The person standing next to you, yeah, it's going to come easy to them mm. and you're going to have to work twice as hard. Mm. But if you want it, then you still got to work. And what that really meant was you didn't see the work that the person next to you was putting in. You only saw the reward. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's always going to look like it comes to them easier than to you. Very true. But they, man. The, under the surface, though, they did the work. Very you still true. Have very true, to do.
1: and 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 that's strangely a sort of critical observation. I think a lot of people make is like, if somehow if it doesn't look hard or painful, um, it's not enough. And it's like,
0: fuck you, job
1: yeah. well done, thanks. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, why do they get it and I don't? Well, guess what yeah they were doing things that you didn't even notice because you were too busy bitching about your situation
1: and it's pretty normal to see like anybody whose success is celebrated or revered in their tell all or just in their you know quotable quotes in interviews it's put the time in, put the thought in, do the work, work
0: harder than the next guy or guess. yes yes, yeah, now, however, though, in the nineties, while trying to do all of this my my marriage ended in the late 90s uh which mm-hmm. you know broke up our home and caused to a very crippling finan- financially crippling divorce mm-hmm. obviously our kids had to spend time in both homes and so what i wasn't doing was giving myself any reward it was all work You've got to get there. You've got to get there. This is what your wife wants. You want to make your wife happy. You've got to get there. You want the flexibility to schedule. You've got to get there. You want to earn the big paycheck. you got to get there. And mm-hmm. what I didn't do throughout the entire 90s, I took maybe one vacation every five years. Right, right. Okay. So, therefore... I failed miserably. Not only did I not make director or VP by the time I was 30, I had a divorce. I had just enormous amounts of child support to pay. I had a split home that my kids had to bounce between. And they adapted. I mean, they're, they're, they're kids. They were really good. I, had, I was a product of a divorced family, so... I felt horrible that I had to put them through the same thing. Of course, yeah. But then again, what's the alternative? You stay together and you're fighting, like yeah, teach them cats how to hate. and dogs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the '90s for me, looking back on exactly what you said about giving yourself that reward for the little wins, mm. and back to what I was saying about a marathon, not a sprint, mm-hmm. is when you go for the for the the big win. It ain't going to happen in a day. It ain't going to happen in a week. It ain't even going to happen in a month or even a year, maybe even a decade. But you got to give yourself a reward every now and then if you're going to make it. Otherwise, you're going to flame out. And I did burn out. That was in IT. I did burn out. Mm. And I became practically useless. Really? And I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't, I wasn't... I mean, I was at a job where, yeah, every time I turned around, they were giving me raises and bonuses and I was doing good. But then it got to the point where because of my divorce, I was drinking a lot and not really paying attention to the work. And it was just I was a mess. I was a hot mess. And then a new recession came along. And I was too expensive for them to keep. So they got rid of me and. So again, ending ending the the 1990s, eventually no family, no job, no money. Oh, that is a shit decade, man. <laughs> and
1: it got kind of a shit decade for music.
0: Uh, I'm just playing. Depends just on playing. where you look. I I I'm would kidding. I would agree mostly, but there are some there's some music out there that actually uh made it not such a horrible decade. <laughs> and maybe that's something we can go into an episode of the, well, that'd the be a blast! Yeah. different decades of music you know well, yeah i'll note that down <laughs>
1: well um i had an after-school job starting at 13 and i had to be driven to it until i got my license and then i drove myself to it and it was in another city uh, city that's a generous word it was in another town <laughs> and um, what the only thing, I, yeah, I liked making money, but I was already making money. I'd worked Christmas trees seasonally, and I, I knew, I'd go do people's lawns and stuff. I was very, it was like starting at age 11, very entrepreneurial. <laughs> <laughs> um, money wasn't my goal, but I knew doing it made money. Doing the things that money, you know, got you was my goal. I wanted to buy cooler models to build or cooler toys or a better motorbike or something like that.
0: It was all about the Benjamins, baby. <laughs> That's
1: right. And, um, but the thing I liked about the restaurant job I had uh, uh, after school from like 13 to 17, I was meeting p- new kids from, you know, a new town and hanging out with them and learning what their lives were about. And they knew other kids from other towns. And it was, it just like exploded my social network, you know, and, had a blast and it was the kind of um you know yeah we had uh what do you call those i, mean, I guess bonfire parties in the woods but ours were lame compared to the they like they had you know kids from like three counties coming in and a proper bonfire and good beer <laughs> and, yeah and, <laughs> and just as many fights but anyway um It was, it was fun. I worked my way up from dishwasher to uh, headline cook for Saturday nights, you know, which was a big deal. I think we were, I think we were serving 500 heads on a Saturday night.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. I was slinging. No pressure. (laughs) Dude, for a 16, 17 year old. I started junior on the, on the line at 15. They saw it wasn't just some joke and it wasn't. Wasn't my goal. Was not my goal. I was just being a kid, doing my thing, not even thinking about cooking when I wasn't at the restaurant. <laughs> but uh, there was something cool about it. I I enjoy it. it. It was it suited my personality. So anyway, um, I I look back at that, and I've talked with my sister about it, and I've talked with my dad about it. Like I went on to work at um, one of the best resorts up in that area. It's you know it's well known in the in the area and around the, the nation. Um I, you know, I could have parlayed that into something, but my heart wasn't in it at all. It wasn't something I saw myself doing. I could have had a change of heart, could've switched gears, but
0: it was just for fun. Really? So it was kinda like a a working hobby of some kind? An after school job. Like a side yeah. distraction. It was an an
1: after school job. That's all it was. And it just happened to be, you know, I could have been, it could have been in the boat dock. It could, you know, it could have been pressing t-shirts at the fun park, but I was, it just happened to work in restaurants. And because I started at the very bottom, there was, you know, uh, progress to be made, you know, prep cook, line cook.
0: Yeah. Did you have a sense of pride in making it to to head cook i mean did you yeah, i think i did ex- experience that as a, an achievement
1: um not in like an isolated moment of self-recognition but I, I looking back i think i um appreciated that position versus the guy who washes the pots and pans definitely
0: okay <laughs> it was definitely a step up
1: for sure of course in, in the daily duties Right. And and in the pay as well, right? Um, there's some stories I'll tell you off the show about the owner <laughs> of that restaurant, man. Just spill it. Spill out. it. <laughs> <laughs> um he used to sit, <laughs> No, I'll tell you off the show. <laughs>
0: Darn it. I He's almost
1: a, got you. Interesting character. Um but uh you know, then moving down to uh Texas uh, I was able to use that to get my first job opening up a restaurant, not as a you know, executive producer in the cash sense, but one of the first cooks to work there and design the kitchen and help buy the all the stuff. Again, I didn't care. I was eighteen. I was like, yeah, cool, awesome paycheck. I got college to go to, you know, and so I started going to college and helping open in that restaurant. It just again, I can't I can't emphasize this enough. My heart wasn't in it. I was good at it. I didn't real. I didn't recognize how good at it I was. Do you know what I mean? It's just like eh. it was
0: effortless, and yet you didn't even realize it was effortless. Yeah, it's it, something yeah. you do. Yes,
1: yeah, it's, it's something I had to go do to get a check, so I could go do the things I wanted
0: to do. <laughs> <laughs> you really wanted to do. Yeah, and and yet your fingerprints are all over that restaurant. Yeah, yeah. You know that that was that restaurant has part of you. Tied to it in mm-hmm. its in its own DNA, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you help build it, you help even grow it. I would say through your decisions, helped it. I, I would assume it was a, a success. No, the I restaurant. did. Did it really? Yeah. yeah. After you left, though, right?
1: Um, I left <laughs> and came back. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, I'll be I'll be honest. I left and came back, and then um then i left and then it failed yeah so i guess technically after i left so i got a taste of working front of house while i was there because they would do this really okay. cool sunday buffet and i was because i was fairly presentable and i knew the food um i would be the guy who would like serve the sweet potatoes or cut the okay. duck you know and like put it on people's plates okay. as they came through the buffet i know gotcha. i know real corny stuff um but th- then they needed a waiter and i was like sure You know, I like talking to people. I know my way around the the restaurant. I was not a good waiter. Spilled tea down some lady's back. um, Mm. Just fumbling and bumbling because I wasn't used to talking to strangers like this. You know, straight eye contact and criticism and stuff. But I did okay. And then I went and worked at a really big restaurant in Houston. And I really learned like waiting tables, bartending. Started doing kitchen management. This whole time, I'm still going to college. And I I just woke up one day, I was like, what are you really trying to do? You know, you need to calm down your social life and this weird 15-year or 12-year restaurant career you've been building, (laughs) and go ahead and wrap up that college thing.
0: (laughs) Ah, silly. So by taking away some of that extra distraction, effortless uh, ability to run a restaurant essentially although not be a server (laughs) obviously uh you felt that if you even though you were making money at it if you if you put that aside you freed up more time to finish your real goal which was to finish college
2: yeah
1: and well to go ahead and hog the mic a little more (laughs) please um so it was, it was effortless in terms of, I was good at it. I didn't have to try, try too hard. Um, even, even front of house, once I got over the kind of like how to handle yourself in front of strangers and take, take the brutal criticism that waiters have to take. Um, bartending was super easy for me. It it just suited me. Um, it was very physically demanding, you know, and you couldn't work part time. Restaurants, they don't, go for that shit you don't get to show up two three days a week otherwise everyone yeah. will want to show up too. you have to have five, at least five shifts and they'll call you mm-hmm. in the morning saying hey don't go to school so-and-so called in um need you to come in no man i gotta go to college oh man come on don't just come in like that kind of shit yeah so all that's going on and i'm exhausted for everything somehow i managed to stay up late you know because that hyper hyperactive social life but Um, I just, let me see what happened. Oh, this was serendipity. This was actually an accidental nudge. One of my professors at university Houston gave me an opportunity in my field of study, sort of close, close enough. (laughs) Adjacent. it, It was, yeah, it was college adjacent and, um, it was cool. I, I, all of a sudden stepped into a brand new world. You know, I was autonomous. I got to name my price. I was getting paid. And these people knew other people and getting referrals. And finally I was like, you know what? I'm going to strike out. And so, you know, God, this is, I'm 25 at this point. I'm like, yeah, fuck you, restaurant. I'm going to (laughs) go. You know, I'm flourishing and I'm going to start my career. And you know how grand that is at that moment when you make such a yes. transitional shift in your young life. But, um, they didn't want me to go. So we worked out a deal. Okay. You can, so I was bartending at the time. You can bartend on Saturday nights only because nobody wants to work Saturday nights. Right. But um, yeah, that's when it's packed and you get the most tips. Yeah. And, uh, so I would, I would work my, my, you know, quote unquote career stuff during the week of still going to college getting close to finishing up because i would screwed around so many years getting close to finishing up working my real career stuff working one saturday night um as bartender you know pulling 150 200 extra bucks you know for that then i started to dread saturday nights like uh, you know things were taking different shape outside of saturday nights and i was like oh man and now the now the people i hang out with they have Saturday night off, you know. Our careers have shifted, and I noticed myself starting to dread it, so I gave it up. And they even gave me shit for that. They're like, "You had a
3: sweet
0: deal." I, I, I know, but I'm done. It has to end. <laughs> right, right. You know, there's a lot in there I, that I would like to unpack. Yes, little, yes. But let's take a break. Yeah, let's do. And that. then when we come back, let's unpack that because there's a lot going on in there that I really, that I really want to touch on. Yeah. All right, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Okay? I'm gonna get All some right. coffee. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Be right back. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the follow button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much.
2: Now, back to the show.
0: All right, and we're back. So, Graham. Oh, yeah. All right,
1: so you want to unpack. (laughs) That was my weird, so that was 12 years of my life I just sort of threw out there.
0: Well, and that's that's what I wanted to explore, was that in those 12 years, Mm. you didn't really have the intent to make a career of it, but it became effortless and it was just something easy for you. Mm -hmm. But it didn't seem like you were getting any real satisfaction from it, but it was paying the bills. Yeah. And at some point, probably pretty well.
1: And there was a social component there too. You met a lot of young people your age, you know, Mm -hmm. guys and
0: gals. So the why wasn't anything real. I mean, the why was pretty basic. Money and meeting people and possibly girls. <laughs> the, the the meeting
1: people I I had that, that wasn't even um, it, it wasn't a leading why it might have been sort of like sure. a, yeah like a byproduct an underlying yeah. Yeah. yeah and much like yourself I wanted to get out of the house I you know yeah didn't want to sit at my <laughs> I did really well in school when I wanted to but at that period in my life. I was not interested in academics and it wasn't because I was oh, all interested in girls. I just had a real shit attitude. I was I a was 13 year old boy, you know, and in a house that I didn't necessarily always feel comfortable in. So yeah, sure. I'm gonna go over here and do that. And they're
0: done that. Right. <laughs> now, after that 12 years though, you broke into, uh, an adjacent, uh, <laughs> field of study yeah. to what you're, what your, at the time, passion was. But over that 12 years, as effortless as it seemed to you, you brought about a situation that the restaurant needed you more than you needed them because you had this other opportunity that you may or may not have gotten as a result of your restaurant experience. Mm. Think about it. Some things transfer. Skills transfer Mm. from one industry to another, one profession to another. So I would have a hard time believing that after 12 years in the restaurant industry, you didn't bring something to that new opportunity no, no, that nobody, would not have existed. No, without, nobody implied. I don't think anyone implied that. No, no, no. I, I, no I'm, I'm, un, I'm unpacking this like, mm. even if I'm stating the obvious, bear, bear with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what you had, what you created, was a. Restaurant that said we would do anything to keep you, including foregoing our own policy of you work five shifts or you're out. They didn't even care about that as long as they got you for the one night a week. Mm-hmm. So they they actually went back on their own right. Uh, standards, right? Mm-hmm. But you also had this other opportunity that I think I heard you say you got to name your own price. You got to name your... Uh, It was basically a much better scenario that you were coming from. And by having that attitude of, well, I don't really need you, restaurant. I don't really need you. That made them want you even more. (laughs) And yet you had a solid backup. So you actually had your cake and were eating it too, to the point where you decided the sacrifice of a Saturday night And the awesome pay that even came with it just wasn't worth what I was now giving up by being over in in this new opportunity. And so by me stating that out loud, I'm going to a place where if, if you can create a situation where the person signing the checks needs you more than you need that person signing the checks you have all of the power yeah classic uh, dialogue around
1: negotiation right this is the one who wants at least wins
0: well it, exactly and there was a time when when i uh, when i had my own consulting it consulting practice i had an awesome client best client ever mm. always paid on time considered me part of the, the, the the business family invited me to, you know, holiday parties and Mm -hmm. all, I mean, and one time I had dropped everything. I was actually out with my wife. They had an emergency and my, you know, my wife was getting her car service. So I had driven her to one of the outlet malls or whatever they called. They're like, we really need you, Jay. I'm like, okay, I wasn't planning on this. Let me move some things around and I'll be there in about an hour. Mm -hmm. So I called my wife because I was sitting in the car. I didn't want to go in that one. I called her. I said, look, I got to go. I need you to come back. And she's like, oh, what happened? I go, well, client A called. And she's like, oh, okay. So she came back to the car. I took her back to the dealership and sped on down to the client and basically just worked on fixing the problem. Right, right. Now, to me, because they were such a good client, I had... No issues rearranging things on a moment's notice mm-hmm. because yeah, they yeah. were that they were that cool to yeah. work for. Yeah, on the short list. Yes. And when I was done, the the vice president of operations, who was basically my contact, I worked I worked directly under him essentially. And he brought an envelope to me and he says We really appreciate you dropping everything to come and help us. And I'm like, oh, it's, no, it's, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. It, it, it worked out where I could rearrange those things. If I couldn't have, I would have had to have given you the bad news, but thankfully I was able to. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, I just want you to know that we appreciate it. And it is no small deal to us that you took the time. To come and and essentially rescue us,
2: mm-hmm.
0: he says, "We wanted we want you to have this." And so he gave me the envelope, and it was six hundred bucks in cash.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he goes, "And that's not. We still want you to bill for the time, the travel time, the the time you spent here fixing this. But we want you to also have this." Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And I was like blown away. I almost cried. I was like, "Are you serious?" I mean, for me, I thought I was just. Doing what a, a a good consultant who appreciates his clients would do, right? Okay. Now, fast forward about a year, I got an offer to join a, a consulting firm, so I accepted that offer, and I sat down with client A, and I I said, "Hey, I'm going to be I'm going to be leaving my practice. I'm going to be shuttering it, and I'm going to go work for a firm." Mm-hmm. And they tried to essentially get me to rethink that decision. Mm-hmm. They're like, What would it take for you to stay? And I wasn't even an employee. And I'm like, you know, this is just something I think I have to do. And they're like, Okay, well let's let's do this. Um, you know, what are they what are they wanting to pay you? Right. And I and I told them, I said, they said, Well, we can't do that much, but We'll give you a base salary, and I'll just—I'll just throw out numbers, whatever. I'll give you a base salary of sixty-eight grand, mm-hmm. and you'd still be our consultant, <laughs> and you could take on other clients, right? And we'd give you an office here, sweetheart. Deal, man, to work out of, right, right, okay, right? And uh, so, because you've always been responsive to us, we have no. No fear whatsoever that if you take on other clients that we're going to, we're going to suffer in terms of service.
1: Yeah. They wanted to secure you.
0: Yes. Yes. And I said, well, but there's a a matter of a signing bonus. And they said, well, how much? And I said, I don't know, 10 grand. Mm -hmm. And they said, he said, this was the president, but not the owner that I was talking to now. He says, oh, I can, I can authorize that right now. Right. Right. And I go, yeah, but they've got health care. And as an independent, I don't, you know. And he, tell you what, we'll put you on our company health care. Well, yeah. You're technically an employee. We'll (laughs) we'll declare you an employee. You'll get all the benefits of an employee, but you can still go out and get other clients. Yeah. And I still said no.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, Any regrets?
0: A little. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it doesn't end there. Right. Okay. It doesn't end there. So I'm on like my second assignment with this new firm. Well, it's not really a new firm. I came back to work for for them. I had worked for them before I started my own practice. But anyway, I'm on my second assignment. I'm in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I get a call from the VP of operations, my my normal contact. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, Jay, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, it's going good. What you up to? It's so good to hear from you. He's like, oh yeah, everything's great. He goes, listen, um, we decided that we want to hire a full-time IT director mm-hmm. and we'd love for you to fill that role. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, he was a vice president. Remember, I, in the 90s, I wanted to be a director, mm-hmm. but I wasn't 30 anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. So it, it suddenly lost its luster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, But... uh He says, we'd love to give you first crack at it. And, and I was like, oh man, that is, and he, I mean, he threw out numbers and everything. I go, that is so generous. And and he goes, it's not enough. We'll talk, you know, give, give me a number.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. And I'm like, oh man, I look, I just started here. It wouldn't look great. I, I I'm really flattered. And they said, okay, listen, the guy you set us up with, he's a good guy, but we don't like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't like him. He's, he's not as uh, as responsive as you are. And he seems distracted when he's here. Always something else going on. Look, we want you to still consult for us. Yeah. And I'm like, well, look, there's going to be times where I'm on a plane and I can't respond to you if you've got an emergency. And they're like, well, we'll just have to get over that. We'll have to wait. And I go, okay. Wow. Now this is and this is the same company from before. Is that right? Yes, okay. yes. And so I said, okay. I said, well, um, yeah. As long as you're okay with that, we'll we'll do that. But and in my head, I'm thinking, but the other guy. For all of the non-responsiveness, it couldn't be as long as a th- you know two three hour flight <laughs> that that they would be waiting for me to call them back. Right. But for some reason, that was unacceptable for him to create that kind of a delay. Yeah. But a okay for me. Mm-hmm. So then I got this bright idea. You know what? Let me hire a guy, and I'm going to hire him. Uh, let's say you know forty five dollars an hour, mm-hmm. and that was his asking price,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he knew. All of the networking gear that they were using. I mean, he knew it like the back of it. He was certified every 45 bucks an hour because for him it was a side gig. Mm. So, 45 bucks an hour. I talked to him, dude, and he ended up being like really good, really good. Like on weekends, he'd help me with, uh, with uh, implementations of network gear. And then during the week, he would help me with configuring their uh, VoIP systems. Mm-hmm. Voice over IP, for those listening that may not understand what voice means. Um, it's voice over IP. Well, yeah. So it's a network-based telephone system, essentially. And so he would help with that. And he was really, really good. So I said, look, dude, I want to give you more hours. I need you to cover me when I'm in flight and he says, "Yeah, you know what? I can do that. I can take breaks from work and and what have you, yeah, and then it turned into, well, you know what, I am so exhausted from you know i I, I was going to like Fargo, North Dakota, yeah. and it was like, I am so exhausted, man can you they 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 need this done, and I would give it you know would you would you mind taking care of that for me? No problem. Well, I was charging my client a hundred dollars an hour,
2: yeah,
0: okay. And then it became a regular thing where it was like, well, Steve, you're doing a great job, man. Let me just route everything to you. (laughs) And I could focus on my day job and get a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. And he didn't mind being up later to fix things. And he was charging a really good rate. Mm -hmm. So I was making money literally while I slept. Yeah, yeah. From a client that essentially I could do no wrong. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not saying that as, hey, I got over on them. What I'm saying is, is that I needed them less than they needed me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And therefore I had all kinds, and then they called again later on saying, can we just, can we just bring you on full time? They asked again. (laughs) And finally, after the second, no, they, they stopped asking and it broke my heart because they were such good people. Now the owner was a little bit difficult and kind of (laughs) weird, but he lived in, colorado and this this company i was consulting for is in texas so he'd fly in every now and then and i even had to make presentations to him about some of the changes that i was proposing to help optimize their Mm -hmm. their network and it included servers not just switches and routers but also serve i mean basically we had to redo their entire infrastructure to modernize it and get it stable Mm -hmm. because they did have it guys there but they were they were programmers they weren't they weren't infrastructure yeah. guys yeah, and so they would do their best but it wasn't in their wheelhouse so in any case i don't know in the how did that work out sense i don't know if it worked out better that i stayed with the consulting firm and turned down their multiple offers i just know that i was able to kind of ride that wave where i could hire somebody who was more than competent mm. to do the work Paid him his asking price and my client paying me the asking, pr- my asking price. Right. And everybody won. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. The client got taken care of. Uh, Steve got his side gig paycheck. I was making money while I was at a client site, making my day salary. And if Steve was working on something while I was at the client site, I was making essentially double the money. Mm-hmm. You see? And then at night and on weekends, Steve took care of it all Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to at some point all I had to do was write the email saying okay guys you know hey client a the work's done if you notice any issues let me know and if they did let me know then I would just like forward it over to Steve and he'd be right on it so it was it was a perfect working relationship but again it came from I didn't need them as much as they needed me
2: yeah
0: yeah (laughs) I, <laughs> it was just—it was big. Man. It, yeah, it was big.
1: Yeah, and I feel like, um and everybody who's kind of like ambitious and has a bit of entrepreneurial sp- spirit to some degree has a kind of rodeo like that in their career to talk about, where it was just like, ah, they wanted me here and they wanted me there, and I had to make this choice and. You know, that like any regrets question I ask was like, well, it's often just like apples and oranges. It's like this would have been fine, but a different experience or that would have been fine, but a different experience. I have a lot of respect for the gentleman who had had the, what are they offering you? He wanted to hear it all. Do you hear what he was up yes. against? Those people in those moments for me, they're, they've helped me understand what my personal brand is because they wanted Jay's personal brand. They didn't want just a butt in the seat. And so when you're, when I've had those kind of conversations where they're like, come on, you, it it started, started helping me answer the question to like, what do people get when they hire you? Right. With, and it's easy for that response to sound like kind of canned or like trite, using words that people use all too often, but yeah, that's um, that's a great story. It's huge, and and to you, you know, you selected Steve. That was, sounded pretty critical. The selection of that role, he it sounded like he had to be a high quality person.
0: I'd gone through some some people that weren't sure, and I had to do cleanup. Mm-hmm. There was one time I was on vacation in Florida with my wife, and the guy that I had asked it to. Take the reins for me while I was out. Just essentially disappeared, mm. and so the clients calling me, going, "We can't get a hold of the guy you told us to get a hold of," and and the guy was was contracted by me. He was subcontracted out by me, and wherever I hired him from, he had like a five star rating, and and he just blew it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I had to on my vacation jump in and and not only solve the issue, but then work damage control to my brand for me trusting somebody that couldn't be trusted. And so I, 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 in the rating, I let him have it. I, I said, Hey, you know, I gave him like a two Mm. (laughs) and he had never gotten less than a five Mm -hmm. ever. And so he was calling me and saying, Hey, I've never got less than a five. Why won't you give me a five? I'm like, really? You're really asking me this? And he like, he threatened, uh, to, um, what did he, he threatened to do something that would harm the client. Oh, really? And I said, I said, you don't want to go there. (laughs) And so I hired a lawyer and lawyer sent him a letter and he backed off immediately. But one more thing I want to add to that that offer, mm. right? Let's hear what you're let's hear what they're giving you and let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. I, I I told them I s and I I was very candid and they were very candid back was that, well, a lot of the work I do for you guys is nights and weekends because I can't do anything while you're working. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of what I do is nights and weekends. So the base salary is nice and all, but if you're looking at a base salary and the n- number of hours worked. There's a big potential for it to be upside down where I'm giving you more hours than I'm actually getting compensated for. Mm-hmm. You know what he said? No. He said, you tell me when that happens and we will pay you your normal rate above the base salary. Nice. That's that's the right <laughs> response. He, he didn't just react with like, well, then I'll give
1: you more. And he'll say, well, you, he's, he's, he's a listener. You know, he's
0: like, yes. you said there will be a time. So tell me when that time comes. Exactly. Yeah. And it'll be no questions asked because they know I wouldn't be the guy to make it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. That's a great story. Thank you. I, I felt great reliving that uh, and sharing that, not just with you, but with all of our listeners, because it, like your situation, Graham, we have the ability to create scenarios where our skills are more in demand than we give ourselves credit for Mm. in many cases. And what comes easy to you and seems effortless is mind blowing to somebody else. And if you approach it with good attitude and if you approach it with humility, that also increases your value to the point where somebody somewhere is willing to do anything to keep you around and have you do your thing now, it's up to you to decide whether or not you can slog it out day in and day out. Because sometimes it's more about the money. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not even about the money, rather. Mm-hmm. It, it's more about the, the fulfillment, the satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But if you can command a salary, even for a little while, while you, you know build up your, you know, your, your, your bank account, and then make a break. And that's something else I wanted to bring up was you were in the safe zone doing the restaurant thing for 12 years that was safe yeah yeah it was something you knew and it would always be there and it was a big decision
1: to leave too do you know what i mean it was regardless you were taking yeah regardless of how it tapered regardless of the trajectory or what else i was stacking up over here it was
0: still kind of like well once you go it's kind of final you you were taking a leap and that's kind of a lot like What creatives do right Uh, like let's take musicians Hmm. musicians might be known bands and and solo artists may be known for a particular genre of music and then they step outside that and they'll put out an album that's completely contrary to their normal genre uh and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but what they've done is they've stayed in the safe zone long enough to build up their their capital yeah to where they can take that risk, so that if it bombs, no big deal, just go back to what I was doing and go back to what sold. Hmm. And you had a fallback plan, whether you knew it or not, right? You could always go back to restaurateur, <laughs> yeah. maybe yeah. not with the same place, right? But at the same time, though, you did take a risk, you stepped out of your comfort zone, yeah. and that's big because then that's where your growth happened. But all the while, you established yourself and now you've got a plan B should you ever need it. Even now, Graham, if business dried up, you know you have something you can go back to and pay the bills with. Mm-hmm. Maybe not all of them, and maybe not to the level you're living now, but the essentials would be taken care of because you have skills outside of your current chosen profession.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah I think there's a I'll save it for next uh or another episode, but you know i was I was entertaining the concept you and I had talked about um outside of the show of how things worked out for other people, and um, somehow Will Rogers came front of mind, and that's one in- interesting dude, and one thing he gave himself was world experience, like diversity in life experience you know like living in other places really and i and i think that's something we all owe ourselves it's 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 kind of a luxury but so is college and so are expensive shoes and so are nice cars those things are luxuries too so i think if we can give ourselves like really diverse experiences strangely uh serendipitously accidentally they can become backup careers or they can become serious hobbies that if you ground it down a little more you could parlay that into a career or a product line or diversity in income or you know or something like really um stay focused but don't stay narrow
0: right and sometimes it's the same industry
2: yeah, yeah. uh
0: if i were to lose my job my corporate job tomorrow mm. I've already proven that I can go out on my own and land my own clients, work up my own business. uh, And, and even from what I did with that one client, I landed another client, the largest uh, and most revered music company in central Texas Mm -hmm. became one of my clients Mm -hmm. based on word of mouth. Right. Yeah, and they wanted to modernize. I mean, they were kind of stuck in the in the '60s. -hmm. Uh, You know, they sold instruments and sheet music and all that. But the son of the founder was going to be handed the business, and so the son wanted to modernize. Sure. Yeah. And brought me in to help them visualize that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, word of mouth is powerful, and you and, and, and 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 it started to come to my mind when you mentioned the guy that that company had gotten. They're like, yeah, we don't like him. People, they, they have to value your work, but they have to also enjoy having you around to a certain extent. Yes. Yeah. You got to reduce the friction. Attitude is everything. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Reducing that friction. That, that's well said, Graham. And, but like I said, you can be in the same industry. If I lost my corporate job tomorrow, the only thing I lost was a guaranteed paycheck. Hmm. But what I realized when I did have my own firm, my own practice, rather, it wasn't my own firm, it was a practice, was that I made more money than I did the previous time at any corporate job. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I was having them as a side hustle and paying somebody else to do the work, but it was still, I was the face of the company Mm -hmm. that they hired to help them. And then with my corporate job, I was making more money than I had ever made before. And I'm not saying that's the only measure of success, but money brings options it does. and money brings a level of comfort. If you don't let it consume you. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's an indicator again, if, if you're making money it means yeah. you're doing a
1: lot of work, which means a lot of people are coming to you to solve their problems, yes. which means a lot of people trust you. You know, there's a lot yes. of details underneath that stack of cash.
0: Right. And, and I've been out of, private practice for a long time now. So it's not like my name carries weight anymore. Right. However, I would be out of necessity, I would pound the pavement mm-hmm. or what they call dial for dollars, mm-hmm. or even asking around, finding ref- referral channels. Like I'll tell you, I found a, a great referral channel in uh, business cable or business telecommunications salesmen. If I'd offer them up a uh, kind of a, a finder's fee or a a thank you for an introduction, I don't want to call it a bribe, it's not. If if they bring me together with a potential client and that client becomes a client, mm-hmm. I will give the referring person, whoever they are, ten mm-hmm. percent of the first invoice. Mm-hmm. As a, you know, and so do you think they're going to like stop talking me up around town if they know they're going to get 10% of the first invoice of every deal? And it just so happened that telecommunic- telecommunications guys, I mean, they're bringing in internet, they're bringing in phones and everything. And I don't really care about the phones. I care about the network. Mm-hmm. But with internet, that means you got to have a network. And if you have a network, that means you got to have computers mm-hmm. on your desks or laptops. And so that was my sweet spot was the networking infrastructure and the equipment that uses it. And then also the end workstations. So again, out of necessity, it would be uncomfortable for a while to have to find opportunities, but they're there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can even look for the help wanted ads and say, well, I could come work for you as an employee, but then I'm going to need benefits and I'm going to need vacation or you can hire me as a contractor, and now the the fees that you'd be paying me are tax deductible. You can take them out as a business expense. Mm-hmm. So I become an asset, not a liability. Employees, and I don't want to say employees are bad, and that they're a liability, but you got to pay emplo- you know employment tax, and you got to you got to pay a lot of things to have an employee on board. Basically, double yeah. your salary. Yeah. While doubling mine too, because then I can get more per hour than I would as an employee, because as an employee, they they have the out-of-pocket expenses, and so that that reflects in your salary, because you're not gonna get paid as much because they gotta pay out. So it's a win-win again for everybody. So I, I would look for the help wanted ads and say, well, did you really want an employee or could you do with a consultant that you can have come and go as you will, and you only pay for what you use, and you don't have to pay for any of the benefits. That an employee, otherwise, would yeah. have, or taxes, yeah,
1: and that trend seems to kind of ebb and flow. There's, I think, there's times where companies all go, "You're like, yes, keep ourselves real, you know, sort of like essential but safe," and mm-hmm. uh, get a lot of contractors. And then I, I feel like a lot of companies experience like, "Whoa, we're losing too much like legacy knowledge. The contractors are, we're, we're as a company not doing a good job of capturing why this decision was made, how something was done, documentation." People are coming and going, no one knows what the hell's really going on. <laughs> and, and then they make a lot of hires and then there's a financial hit and they have to lay people off. And I feel like it's just this kind of like cycle.
0: And you still have a knowledge gap because even when you bring in an in-house staff, they either need to document or they won't, mm-hmm. just like the contractors. So I would say that if you're doing knowledge work and you get hired as an independent, the way to stand out is to document your work. Make yourself replaceable. If you were to f- for some reason be out of the picture tomorrow, would they would would your client know what to do? And or if they hired somebody, would that somebody know what to do and everything that you did before yourself? I used to document everything yeah. and I'd leave it with them.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, that way at any time, and it and it took away that we were talking about job security a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago about holding on to, to things because that makes you essential and it doesn't, it limits you. So I would do the same thing with my clients is I would document everything and not after I left them as, as a, as a consultant, would I leave everything with them? I would give it to them after each implementation, after each project, so they could build their own library And it was twofold. If they decided they no longer wanted me around, they could pick up where they left off by bringing in somebody who would understand the the, the documents. (laughs) Right? Or if I wanted to take a vacation, I could bring somebody on and they have access to the knowledge. And therefore, I'm not going to be bothered on vacation unless somebody doesn't show up like that one time. But (laughs) I made myself replaceable. And in doing so, I became irreplaceable. Think about that.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's really good advice and good practice. And I think often what happens there is if you're the guy who um, came in and did the service and then disappeared, you're as much a ghost as the previous guy and the next guy. So you're anonymous. And there's just this kind of like maybe there's a feeling. It's not a warm fuzzy. It's not a feeling of security or safety. It's the other feeling versus somebody who kept really good documentation, you know, now they're a fountain of information or at least a source of reliable information. Good feeling. Person has a name. It
0: perpetuates. Exactly. Yeah. Well let's let's talk about one other benefit real quick is that if you come into a situation where nothing's been documented and you have to inherit the non documented mess. <laughs> I hate that shit. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I see it as a twofold opportunity. Number one, if, I, if I'm if i gonna look around and find out, okay, how is this all put together? I'm gonna build them. I'm like, I'm gonna have to do an initial assessment mm-hmm. to see where you are yeah. before I can recommend where you should go, if at all. Maybe what you have is, is fine, and we just need to fine tune it. Yeah. We're not gonna know until I look at it. And I'm not, uh, time is money, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not gonna do it for free. But I'll do it, and then I'll provide you a written report. Mm-hmm. You see? So that if you don't hire me, you can give it to the next person. Yeah, you're not starting all over again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can get, you know, and if you want to shop around, whatever, I don't, I don't, I, I don't play games. I, yeah, right? I just assume people are shopping around. Yeah. And, but yet I still got compensated for the time I spent. Mm-hmm. So that if they don't go with me, I still got paid. Yeah, yeah. The other opportunity is, is if they hire you, to implement whatever it is, whether it's tweaks or whether it's a top to, you know, you know, top top down re-implementation of, of everything, mm. a modernization, you name it, then what are you're getting paid for that too. And then on top of that, some some consultants also want to resell hardware. They wanna sell you yeah. if they recommend a server, yeah. they wanna sell you that server from them. Yeah. And they're going to buy it at a wholesale rate and then they're going to mark it up. Yep. Oh, I mean, a little bit, You know, maybe 1% to 3%. They're going to mark it up. Mm-hmm. So they get a little extra for the hardware on top of the labor to implement. Right. It. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Because in doing that, you'd have to pay sales tax to the state. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to keep track of all of those transactions. Mm-hmm. And if that hardware breaks, they're calling you and you're fixing it for free because it's under because you're going to give some kind of warranty. You're not going to put something in and say from day 1 if it breaks, call me and I'll bill you my normal rate. You're not it's, nobody's going to stand for that. Yeah. That's BS. So what I would do is I would do I would call the hardware makers or the the um I guess the resellers like CDW and right. some of the some of the larger warehouses and I would and I would give them specs, and they'd match me up with the hardware. And then I'd put it all into a recommendation memo or document and give them all the specs and all the pricing and where they can order it from. Right. Yeah. And I would step away. Now, people might say, well, that's stupid. You could have made money on, you know, I mean, a, a server costing, you know, five ten thousand dollars 10000 You could have made some good extra money. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, that would also require a lot more headache in the bookkeeping. Yeah. And it would, rec- and then it would open me up to audits by the state to make sure I was keeping the right amount of tax and paying the right amount of tax, blah, blah. I didn't want any of that. I wanted it simple. But guess what? Because I recommended it and they ordered it, as soon as it arrives, they call me to come put it in. Yeah. And that's where I make my money.
1: Big picture. That's the big picture. I agree. It, it liberated you from having to do the paperwork and, and the mental inventory of worrying about. Uh, the government (laughs) yeah and the worry about that
0: phone call and the liability of having to fix something that's broken well and if it does break who are they going to call they're going to call me to deal with the vendor yeah right Right. that's why they hired me is to take care of their technology so they could be on the phone with the vendor say hey my new server just broke Mm. what gives (laughs) or they could say jay the server broke we don't know if it's the server or the network. So they're going to call me and pay my normal rate. Mm -hmm. And then if I, and I'll tell them, well, this is a, this is obviously a a quality control issue with, with the the machine. Mm. They're like, okay, well go ahead and call them and, and, and get it worked out. Okay. At my normal rate, you know? So again, I'm not losing. I don't, I think I gain more by not reselling myself, reselling the hardware myself, I gain more because they're still going to call me anyway when, when something breaks.
1: Yeah, and depending on how uh, obvious or in front you you make that to them like, "Oh wow, this guy didn't mark up his price, like his hardware is cheaper basically." That yeah. that yeah, that
0: um carries over to the client perspective. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I would say between the two of us, I think today we kind of gave a bit of a primer on how to succeed with Skills you have and the skills y- you have, how they translate into new opportunities, and how you don't always need a corporate paycheck to thrive well, to survive, let alone thrive. Yeah. What did you what did you get from today? Gosh, I hadn't even thought about it. I've been mean, so in the trees.
1: <laughs> um Yeah. I, I think that's fair, is that um you don't have to know how you're going to spend the rest of your life because the truth is nobody really knows a lot of people um inherit a template and that's fine some people um sort of appropriate life templates and try to fit themselves into it and that, and that's fine too i'm i'm not here to judge but you're not really going to know um how your career is going to unfold Um, how your personal life is going to unfold, whether it's family, friends, or just your own self as a human being. There's no guarantees or predictions, but start to like, depending on where you're at, um, learn as much as you can, pull on as many marketable skills as you can, whether it's kind of like as a fun hobby, or it's something your buddy does that you like to tag along and just kind of absorb, or it was a summer job. You know, like, yeah, free training is invaluable, right? Absolutely.
0: Um, Well, we also talked mentorship in previous episodes, which can also help with that skill building. Yeah,
1: and and mentorship, I think, requires a bit more focus. It does, like, once you've kind of, like, narrowed in all the, like, oh, yeah, this this is something I might be more seriously interested in. I think that would be mentorship well spent for sure. Um, yeah, take it as it comes. I mean, there's uh, like you described, Jay, um, there's hidden opportunities in some things and it's easy to get distracted by the big opportunity, but also to kind of like just take a moment, take a pause and think, okay, how's this gonna play out? What other opportunities lie here? Yeah, it's it's so funny, It's it's fun. <laughs>
0: no i i agree and I, and i i will say that there's a lot of discussion these days about capitalism mm. and many of its ills uh, you know in comparison to other ideologies i guess or economies but i would say that in a free market capitalist system you are able to make a living however however comfortable you want based on skills that you possess and yet it is up to you as an individual to figure out how you can apply those skills for your best benefit while helping others yeah it
1: is it is one's own responsibility for sure and and to um not think of s- skills is like so singular right like um like a skill set you've got the i always tell people like well when the economy's shit this is what people pay me to do. But when there's a lot more money yes. being thrown around, I've kind of got these ancillary things I bring in. You know,
0: Absolutely. And when, econo- when the economy does go to shit, the adapt or die yeah. philosophy comes yeah. into play where you don't necessarily have to abandon your skills. You may have to leverage them in yeah. a different way or market them in a different way or deliver them in a different way. And that, almost forces you to be creative and if you can think your way out of uh, a situation that you didn't anticipate then you're all the better for it. You're not a victim. You're all the better for it because you've been there, done that and you thought of a way out of it. Chances are if it were to happen again, God forbid, then you would have the means to do so because you've done it before. So it's not like it's uncharted territory anymore, uh but also You're thinking of creative ways for your skills to pay you dividends. Yeah, the likelihood of success definitely increases, right? Absolutely. What do you think? Did we talk it out? Did it? How did that work out? I think we did. (laughs) I think we talked it all out. (laughs) I'd, I'd say, from our personal anecdotes, things have worked out pretty well. When you look at humble beginnings and the journey through our lives. You had more than one career. I've had more than one career. And yet here we are. I would like, again, there's no such thing as a self-made man. There really isn't because Pete, somebody somewhere believed in you and somebody gave you a chance and somebody taught you something that gave you the skills you can leverage. So from our humble beginnings to where we are now, which I would say we're very blessed to be pretty comfortable. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we have beautiful wives. you mm-hmm. You've got a gorgeous daughter. I've got three grown young men that mm-hmm. used to be my boys. <laughs> <laughs> um and through all that, it wasn't just always cake. I mean, we've we've had this ge- our generation, generation X has had more recessions than any generation before us. Woohoo.
3: Hey, at least <laughs> we did something.
0: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, as generation X, we've been subjected. We're probably going to be going on our fourth recession here pretty soon. Three prior in our lifetimes and potentially a fourth. So, it wasn't all gravy. It wasn't all just, "Hey, will you give me a job? Sure. What do you want? How much you want?" You know. <laughs> yep. like, it didn't end up like that.
1: Just another notch but, in a my braided belt from the 90s.
0: Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> And the early 2000s, uh, so <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, but again, though, if you if you look at things from a different lens, uh, you know, le- if you look at things from a lens of negativity, then you're always going to be wanting. Yeah, but if you helps. look at things mm-hmm. from gratitude and you know an attitude of gratitude, where hey, I got these skills, even the pandemic can bring out some good. Mm-hmm. Something is awful as a pandemic can Mm -hmm. bring out some good. I would even dare say that my combat tours brought out something positive. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are negatives. Sure. I still have the nightmares. Yeah. I still have flashbacks. I still have PTSD, but I don't wear that on my sleeve saying, oh, you know, give me, give me, give me, give me because I did, because I had to endure these things. Mm -hmm. No. Instead, I got skills that enhanced the skills I had before and brought it to the whole next level so that when I got done with the military, okay, I had more options, not less. Mm -hmm. And a, a service record that, yeah, looks good on a resume, but a work ethic that somebody would only see if they gave you that chance, yeah. right? Yeah, so right. the resume gets you in the door. The purpose of a resume, I'll say it again, I've said it before, is to get the meeting. It's not to sell yourself in one read because you can't. You want to get the meeting. So the skills and the the track record, get your foot in the door. And then when you get your foot in the door, then you go into more detail as to how you can help a company solve their problem. They're hiring you to solve a problem. And True. it's up to you to find out, A, what that problem is, and B, how might you be able to help them? And if you can if you can articulate it, even if they can't, they're the ones signing the paycheck. They don't have to, but if you can bring it out in them, and then you can equate how your skills and your previous uh opportunities experience Mm -hmm. comes into play and solves the problem that they're facing right now Mm -hmm. and again you're ahead of the pack you're you're on the short list if not getting an offer that you know that same day i don't want to promise that but i'm saying stranger things have happened (laughs) (laughs) all right well i don't want to beat this horse to death um i think we got a lot out of today i hope we did i hope uh those of you listening i hope you got something valuable out of this. Uh, Again, it doesn't always have to be doom and gloom. Even in what seems like doom and gloom, there can be a positive outcome. Yep. Yep. Things will work out. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Uh, Thanks again for another great week. Uh, Graham, always appreciate... The insightful discussions, and uh, those of you listening, I really appreciate you tuning in, and and you know, I say tuning in like we're on the radio, but <laughs> I do appreciate you giving us a listen, and hopefully you'll stick around, and we've got a lot more to share, and hopefully you enjoy the way we share it. Right on, good stuff. All right, have a good week. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye for now. All right, there you have it. This is the final episode for season one of How Did That Work Out. Be sure to catch up by listening to our earlier episodes. And if you'd like to know when season two will be ready, be sure to sign up for our show notes newsletter at hdtwo.substack.com. That's hdtwo.substack.com. Be sure to catch us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as well. All our links can be found at our Substack sign up page. Be good, be well learn from life's lessons, and we'll talk to you soon.